Our scripture this morning comes from Acts 9:32 to 43. Now as Peter went here and there among them all, he came down also to the saints who lived at Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas, uh, bedridden for eight years, who was paralyzed. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose. And all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. Now there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. In those days she became ill and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, Please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with them. And when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. But Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And and he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon, a tanner. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome. Uh, My name is Morgan. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, Before we continue, uh, happy Mother's Day. (laughs) Uh, Thank you, moms. Uh, Thank you for your love. We need your love. Um, I wouldn't say I have a very good relationship with my mom, but it's getting better. She's very much a... uh, please do the right thing all the time kind of person. And I'm a, I was constantly stuck in, I can't stop breaking, <laughs> doing the bad things all the time uh, growing up. Uh, so it's a huge struggle. Uh, and I felt like a stranger for my mom for like the longest time. Um, and then, yeah, it was like last month. Uh, I mean, I felt for years like Jesus telling me, go, go talk to your mom, just be with her. Uh, and I always kept putting it off, kept putting it off, kept putting it off. And then we went on a date like a couple weeks ago, and it was awesome. <laughs> so, two mothers. Um, geez. <clears throat> so, we are nearing the end of Eastertide. <clears throat> Eastertide being the season, um, the time from Easter Sunday up until... Uh, next Sunday, which will be Pentecost Sunday, Easter time is a season of celebrating the resurrection of Christ, God's victory for us, God's life for us, our new life in God, a time that focuses on the victorious rescue of Jesus Christ and the resurrecting spirit of Christ who has made his home within you and me. So today is the second to the last Sunday of Easter tide, also known as Ascension Sunday, But actual Ascension Day was this past Thursday, which marked the 40 days um, Christ spent on earth after his resurrection. I really like the Gospel of Mark's description of the Ascension. So, so, So then, the Lord Jesus, 
after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. Just like, straight, straightforward, just the facts. Can you imagine the disciples' faces during those first few days after following the ascension? Like, completely astonished, wondering, was that, was that real? Did that really happen? I mean, you're talking like three, three years of almost celebrity status with the miracles and the crowds and the parties and the weddings, times of powerful preaching and discipleship, and then Christ goes and gets himself killed, dashing all their hopes and dreams. Three, day, three days later, Christ walks through their wall. He eats with them, and then he disappears there are times that he is with them, but he prevents them from understanding that he, is, that, that he is himself. And then he begins to open their minds um, to show how the scriptures testify of Christ. And then, then Jesus takes his disciples on a picnic, tells them not to leave Jerusalem, and then rises up into the clouds. Like, totally not what they were expecting. And the hilarious question in like Acts 1.6 So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? You you almost get the sense that in the 40 days following the resurrection, the, the disciples had been hard at work planning the new kingdom of Christ. They met and they discussed the upcoming war with the Roman Empire, with Christ, the God King, as Israel's leader. Swords were sharpened, blueprints were made. And then, and then the ascension, completely astonished. Our, our king, the one we lost for a second, he's back. Now he's disappeared. What the heck? It is obvious that the disciples are very poor interpreters of Christ and the gospel at this point in the story. I like to think of Christ like face palming, like going up, <laughs> up on that cloud. Like, guys, guys, I said the kingdom was within you. Uh, but that will all change next week um, at Pentecost. What I also love, absolutely love about this question, this ridiculous question from the disciples, is how it shows, again, the kinds of people Christ spends his time with. Depending on how charitable you are, you might say wastes his time with greatly misinformed disciples, disciples with misplaced or even mischievous motives, motives of self and self-comfort, disciples with weak love and bad ideas. So, so all of us. Um, so, during our prayers of the people this Easter tide, we have been asking God that He make us an Easter people. And so, most of this Easter tide, I have been wondering what is going through everyone's heads when we hear Easter people. So that's, that's pretty much the purpose of this sermon, is to answer that question. What does it mean to be Easter people? It has often been leveled at Christians that we are death-obsessed, or cross-obsessed, or suffering-obsessed. I mean, no matter what expression or tradi- tradition of Orthodox Christianity... Um, the cross, an instrument of torture and death, is held up as the source and summit of God's salvation for us. And it has been leveled at this church that from time to time we dwell in darkness a little too much. 
in a sermon series titled Resurrection and Life. In the season of Eastertide, there is plenty of death talk. Um, So to answer that question, what does it mean to be an Easter people? It often helps to restate the question, so say it in a different way. So maybe the question like, what is the resurrection? What is the resurrection and the life for the Christian? Or to push it in a different direction, what is your imagination of your relationship with Jesus? That is really what we were asking. And some of you here, you might sense that there is an imbalance with our message, with the glory and the pain. So let's explore. To answer these questions, we have to look at Christ. And then we have to look at who we are as Christians. And then we have to look at who, who is the church. So first, our Christ. The person who worked of Christ. Christ is God, the creator, on a rescue mission of love. The son of God, the only God, who took on flesh. Christ was born to us, born into suffering, lived a life of poverty with us. With us, learned the sin and sorrow of humanity through a life under our curse, assuming our weaknesses. He healed the sick, he fed the poor, and he shed his love upon us sinners. And when his humanity was perfect, having undergone all that was appointed to him, he put himself up on a cross and opened his veins for a violent and rebellious people, dying a death fitting of depravity, letting all our sin find its way unto his flesh. And with his flesh broken and wounded, he stood in solidarity with us sinners, opening the way for our sin to be exchanged for his eternal life. And being eternal life, death could not hold him, and he took up again what none of us sinners could ever obtain, life, marked with our sin and death, therefore free from sin and death. Our new Adam, Savior of all people, a rescue mission of love defined by death and suffering, but all for the healing and elevating of a people back into God. So what is Christ doing now? He sits, he waits, waiting for the days appointed for this broken age to run its course, and he saves. He saves by calling us to himself. One call becoming many calls. The call is Christ's own words from the cross. He said, it is finished, and then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. With his last breath, the exchange, the victory, it is finished. God's healing and resurrecting power was unleashed, first back onto Christ's own body and now onto us. So that was Christ. That was his place. That is what he is doing now and what he has done. So how about we as Christians? What is a Christian made of? We will look at this from three different angles. The reality of a Christian, kind of the composition of a Christian, and the experience of a Christian. First, the reality of a Christian. What is reality? What do we have? What do we have of Christ that we actually participate with? 
How have we experienced resurrection? Or have, have we even experienced resurrection? Well, we have. A Christian is one made alive by the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit proceeding from the cross, across all time. To have the Spirit is to have the Christ. To have the Spirit is to be called by Christ. And his call to our soul is rebirth. It is resurrection of the soul. In this, the Holy Spirit, proceeding from the heart of Christ, finding a dwelling place in our innermost being, telling us that Jesus Christ is our God, our Savior, and our friend. This is the gift of faith. With the gift of his Holy Spirit to us, Christ wraps his past and his present and his future around us. All his completeness as God for us and man for us is inseparable from your life of faith. This life of faith is the life of Christ. We are his, his therefore transformed, his therefore being transformed into closer conformity with Christ through his indwelling spirit. Second, the composition of a Christian. What is a Christian made of? We certainly all have individual uniqueness and frames from God, mixed with and damaged by our own sin and the sin of others. And when a sinner meets Christ, what was lost begins to be restored. What was damaged within begins to heal. Yet we live in profound inner conflict of self. Galatians 5.17, For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Body and soul, flesh and spirit, sinner and saint, these distinctions can help us gain some self-understanding. But the reality is far more fragmented and messy. This is not an easy struggle. (laughs) But our bodies, our souls, our minds, experiencing faith and sin simultaneously You want sin, and you want Christ at the exact same time. You want independence, and you want Christ at the exact same time. What is important in all of this is that all of you, your whole person, belongs to Jesus Christ. Here it becomes a little more clear that the resurrection healing power that has indeed arrived to us doesn't really look like what, what we might be hoping for. We, we hope for Easter, Easter bunnies, Easter baskets. But it is hidden, hidden in faith and clothed in decay. And if that wasn't complicated enough, the feelings, the feelings just get more complex. So lastly, the experience of a Christian. What is experience? Christian experience is just a life lived in relationship with Jesus Christ, which is a difficult place for all of us. It is an experience of living with a free and unpredictable God who doesn't shy away from sorrow or disappointment or doubt. Christ is certainly interested in glory and holiness, but only in us knowing who we really are, allowing for no other reason but his love. So he lives with us from the inside out. Our pain, our pride, our sin, 
He begins to slowly draw it out. So let's be real. (laughs) For all the language of healing, peace, glory, eternal life, Christ has incredibly different expectations than the rest of us. He speaks comfort and peace. We want comfort and peace. He has declared victory over our enemies, Satan, sin, and death. Yet none of those enemies have been pulled off us. The devil seeks our ill. We can easily name our transgressions. Our sin is ever before us. Our lives are toil. This age serves evil. Ahead of each of us is pain, sickness, and death, and likely a lot of regret. Rest in this life is rare. Stress and worry find us out. Doubt and anger are behind every door. A dying God for dying people, it seems. The best picture of what our resurrection healing currently looks like and feels like, or what this place in the redemption story feels like, is all of us at our own operating table. And, stand, <clears throat> and standing at the operating table with extreme love and care is Christ, the great physician. He has our brokenness in, our, in his arms, our broken and bleeding person, in his hand the surgeon's knife, and he is removing sickness and sin and calling to life things that are dead. The life of faith is a life under the hands of God who cuts and heals in his own good timing. And it seems on this operating table that there is some of me that is being cut away and there is some of me that is conforming into the image of Christ. It is a healing that feels like death. Knowing Christ in pain, knowing Christ in loss, knowing Christ in suffering, these places are the ones Christ shines the brightest. Christ has entered all of our wounds to such a degree that death in Christ is eternal life. All things pour into him, and in him all things live Christ is most interested in shaping you and gaining your trust in these moments. The man of sorrows walks among us, leading us into the darkness for the saving of ourselves and the world. Romans 8:17, and if children then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Here, the call to suffer is communicated as a condition for eternal life. But, like all things divine, it is delivered to our souls as a gift, as a grace, buried in union with Christ. 2 Corinthians 1.5, For just as the sufferings of Christ overflow to us, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. They are connected, comfort and suffering, and they cannot be separated. 
the crucified life, comes to us only through his resurrected life. The resurrected life comes to us only through his crucified life. Why? Because the center of all things is the cross of Christ. All the time before the cross and all the time after the cross turns and bows its knee in submission to our crucified Savior. From Christ's broken flesh, life pours out. The new order begins. We suffer because this is the salvation that he has forged within himself. Suffering is his dwelling place, and it was his ransom for our souls. A life of of both sorrow and suffering, comfort and healing, is a life we cannot refuse, because it is the only way to God. Healing that feels like death. It occurred to me, sin is far more real to God than it will ever be to any of us. My slavery to sin, like, it doesn't really, it didn't really feel like slavery. (laughs) Uh, And the sin now that I experience, it's, it's, it's weird. It's like Christ is constantly diminishing. It's teaching me that it has no power. And I don't, it's like I can't even know who I was uh, before I had Christ because he has swept up my, my whole imagination of myself. He just knows it more than us. The sickness is great. He knows it. We know it too in part, I suppose. But I have a feeling that anything easier than this would be less real, less loving to the whole of me, the whole of us, Well, that was the Christian. What of the church? The sinner saved is for a people saved. By the love of the Father, the person and work of the Son, the indwelling of the Spirit, we have come to share in one identity, and that identity is Christ. So you sit here as the hands and feet of Christ And as Christ's hands and feet, we are ambassadors to the world for Christ. For the whole Christ, speaking and knowing in part, but offering the whole, being fully known. The world before us needs a Savior, and we are sent out to bear witness. Our scripture today is two short stories from the early church being what it is, the hands and feet of Christ. Starting with Acts 9, 32-35. Now as Peter went here and there among them all, he came down also to the saints who lived in Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas, bedridden for eight years, who was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose, and all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. First, who is Peter? (laughs) Peter the fisherman. Peter the disciple. Peter who denied Christ three times. Peter who we all love for his goofy acts of love towards our Lord. And what is the background here? The background is the early church beginning to quickly take shape in the first couple chapters of the book of Acts. With the ascension of Christ... The disciples wait and pray, and then Pentecost happens. The Holy Spirit powerfully descends on the first disciples and fills them with this new gospel. 
One gospel for the whole fragmented humanity. One gospel for every language. One gospel for every grammar. One savior for every type of sinner. The apostles immediately begin practicing evangelistic preaching and performing miracles in the streets of Jerusalem. Persecution quickly begins in the city and escalates into the martyrdom of Stephen. Following the death of Stephen, persecution begins to spread throughout Israel. And with that, the church is scattered into the world. I love, I love this line, now as Peter went here and there among them all. Faith, faith is such a step into the darkness with a God that you trust. Even if we were an apostle, even if the scriptures were completely open to us, they cannot diminish the in-the-dark step we are making by faith when it gets down to the fabric and choices of our lives. We're just going here and there. The Apostle Peter is wandering around around Israel, looking for Christians, doing the work of a shepherd. Acts 9, 36-41. Now there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. In those days she became ill and died, and when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, Please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with them, and when they arrived, they took him to the upper room. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all aside and knelt down and prayed, and turning to the the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and the widows, he presented her alive. With both of these stories, why does God offer temporary healing? I think it's the same as it is in the Gospels. God has compassion. Christ saw. He saw through us his hands and feet. And he healed Compassion for a moment. Even though decay in this life must run its course. Exterior healings, like these two, are shadows of greater interior healing. The resurrection of the soul. And greater healing to come. All the other newness and restoration we'd expect in resurrection has been given to us by promise. We are not going to see it. He's not quite going to let faith lose its sting. Death has lost its sting. (laughs) But now the sting of faith, the sting with wanting to know it all, with wanting to see him and have him. Resuscitation is a great word to remember. For this series, because um, it's not only what is what is happening in this last story and a lot of these stories, but it is an appropriate illustration for what the Christian life feels like. We come alive to die again. We come alive in Christ to then die in Christ. This is what your Christian career will look like.
So, what does it mean to be an Easter people? Really, Christians, it is to be Christians. Since we live by the Spirit, let us walk in step with the Spirit. Control may not be ours, but Christ is certainly ours. Letting life be life and Christ be Christ. So, Easter people, believe on Christ. Live by the gospel. God holds all of us in his love. The good and the bad, the sick and the unhealthy, and the healed, the death and the life, all wrapped up in his son. He has room for all of you. With love and forgiveness being his way, speak Christ to yourself. In this dying world, all day and every day, all of this, the free and the costly, the glory and the pain, the crucifixion, the resurrection, belong to Jesus Christ. Easter people, pray. Practice for eternity of walking and talking with him. Talk his ear off. He will hear you. Speak your open thoughts to him day and night. His spirit is constantly with you and ready to begin conversation and prayer. So talk to him. It is from this life of prayer, in your day-to-day, you begin to learn the presence of your Savior. Do not fake your speech with him. He'll certainly listen to you either way, but he's always in the mood for better conversation. Let your unfiltered self be his, and ask for healing. Easter people, Join all your suffering to him. Christ Jesus will never reject the suffering that you have for him. He is humble and lowly in heart. Are you disappointed with your current station in life? Are you finding yourself let down by everything? Are you in constant avoidance of the quiet little pain inside you? He will gladly lay his life out for you. Are you struggling with anxiety or uncontrolled discomfort? Are you paralyzed with fear but always forced to keep walking? He cares. And he feels your fear. He will move to your tears with compassion and care. Easter people, confess your sin. Christ's invitation to constant honesty is not to shame us. He will not let us settle for less. His love goes to the bottom and to the top. And he is not interested in pretense. Trust and love are his desire 
for our hearts towards him. Christians, be yourself. If you are feeling like, oh my gosh, there's no way I can hold up these masks I've created, let them drop. Test what you are doing to his love. Are you living as a child, free and forgiven? Or are you running from him? Are you pushing him away? Are you hitting him? Are you searching? Are you angry? If you are any of those, admit it to him. He already knows. And he is ready to start over with you if, if with you, if you will have him. Easter people, if need be, let your Christian life start over. The true freedom of the Christian life is that we have no reputation but Jesus Christ himself. You can't make him more questionable than he's already been around the prostitutes and the tax collectors. There's nothing in your sin that he is afraid of. There's no darkness that is not like day to him. You can't make him any less victorious than he currently is. So his choice for you was a choice for all of you. Run, and he will be waiting for you. Hit him, and he will bow, still having no reason to defend himself. His cross has shown us for all time that God will, nil, will, not, allow, will not allow our sin between us. There is nothing that, that he cannot forgive. There is nothing that he cannot heal. Easter people, Adore and be content with the amount of Christ you experience. Because a little experienced is everything promised. But by all means, desire to experience more Christ. From these places, Christ's life of love begins welling up within us and pushing us into the service of others. Easter people are loving people. And resurrection power is for the cause of love. Not a holiness too good for everyone else. Not a place separate from sinners. Not a life above suffering. God's love is your healing. And his healing in you will be your love towards others. In the face of suffering and death. So Lord, please come to us without delay. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, send us Christ. Send him again to us. Some of us are feeling slow. Some of us are feeling dead. Remind us again, Lord. Come close to us, Jesus, and send your spirit. And Lord, let all the moms here rest in your steadfast, merciful presence today. Christ have mercy. Amen.